Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And so we published the article on November the 17th that uh, another mainstream media picked it up. The mainstream media at that time were just following Barnaby's pub crawl around New England, which is what he was doing. And the media was all, oh, Barnaby's so popular in New England. Look at how he gets on with the locals. New England by-election happened in early December. And then on February, in February, Shari Markson decided to uh, publish a story sort of outing uh Vicky Campion, with that a horrible photo of her with a baby bump, yeah. walking across the street, which I thought was quite disgraceful. And, um, you know, uh, apparently she broke the story. In August this year, Daily Telegraph journalist Shari Markson won the 2018 Kennedy Prize for Journalist of the Year for what the judging panel termed her fearless determination to expose the Deputy Prime Minister's illicit affair and the subsequent cover-up. The only problem is that the entire story of Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce's affair and cover-up had already been covered by journalists at another media outlet well before Ms Markson's stories on the subject were ever published. That publication is Independent Australia, an online news publication that's broken several of the biggest political stories in Australia in the last decade. Speaking at a Walkley panel last week, Markson defended her award, saying, Those blog sites print absolute garbage, absolute rubbish. Even as part of their reporting, they just report rumours. They publish any rumours they hear. The garbage can't be separated from the facts. Independent Australia's founder, David Donovan, was understandably displeased with Markson's appraisal, labelling her comments defamatory and false. This is the Nitty Gritty Committee, stories about the guts and the glory of life. And in this episode, we're talking to David Donovan, who I called at his home on the Gold Coast, the lucky sod. 
His biggest problem at the moment is trying to get some sleep with schoolies staying in the apartment next door. So I eased him into the chat by asking him for a bit of background on himself. I went to uni and did accounting law to start off with. Flunked out of the law, or dropped out of the law, <laughs> failed every subject in my third year and finished off the accounting and I, to be honest, never even wanted to be an accountant but that was just, you know, necessity dictated that I, I did that. I was closer to finishing it off and I uh, started out working for a cigarette company, Rothmans. Wow. When I was in my early 20s, so I was lucky that I was an accounts clerk for Rothmans and it was just a disgraceful place to work. Yeah. Everybody smoking ashtrays on every table, <laughs> little signs saying, please, feel free to smoke everywhere. You know, they, they used to give us, what did they give us, about 250, no, 500 cigarettes a month, and we couldn't sell them. Wow. They were just <laughs> trying to keep us hooked. It sounds like so, the 60s, uh, but it's actually, you're talking about the 90s, I guess. Yeah, 90, wow. 90, 91, yeah. Wow. So, uh, you know, so I actually gave up as a smoker before I went there. It was just so disgusted I gave up. So, uh, yeah, so worked there for a while, and then I went, went over to London and worked in investment banking. After I, when I was at Rothmans, I thought, stuff this, I'm not doing accounting for the rest of my life. So I went back to uni uh, studying journalism. In fact, I tossed a coin. <laughs> so, so what I wanted to do was be a writer, a novelist. Yeah. And I thought journalism was a way to pay the bills in that regard. But I had most of a law degree done. So I tossed a coin as to going back to uni to do either law or the journalism, and it came up journalism. So went back, studied part-time, uh, came back to Australia in 2000 to finish off the journalism degree uh, full-time. So I did a year full-time, and, uh, yeah, so I've been a journalist, well, a degree-qualified journalist since 2000. Wow. Been freelancing since about 1995. But uh, I actually went back to London with my now wife and uh, got back into banking. <laughs> so... Uh, after I came back to Australia, <clears throat> I um, joined the Republican movement. I was vice chair of the uh, ARM, media director, for a few years. And uh, that obviously got, got me plenty of contacts in the industry. And um, I set up IA in 2010. So it's been going since, since then. Which is, a, which is an uh, independent online news and opinion website, it says. Um, that's the sort yep. of you know formal description of what it is. But it's also... I mean, it's an incredibly, I think, increasingly powerful shit-stirring tool. Um, <laughs> because you're, you're sure in, you're not talking about my Twitter feed. No, well, both of, both of our Twitter feeds. Let's be honest. But um, but your the investigations that you have conducted as part of Independent Australia generally end up in mainstream media as as political scandals much later generally end up with other people taking, uh, you know, all the credit for them, which is how you and I have gotten talking this week because there's been another massive one that's finally sort of surfaced. But, I mean, Ashby Gate, was that the first big one for you? No. No, the first one was um, what we called Jacksonville. Oh, yes, was, of uh, course. You know, the Kathy Jackson saga. Yes, so talk we us the, through we that again. The first one. In fact, we were described for years as conspiracy theorists and, you know, if you look, if you remember back back in about 2011 or whenever it was, 2012. In fact, Ashby Gate and Jacksonville happened at roughly the same same time, but you know, Kathy Jackson came on the scene a bit earlier. Yeah. In the uh, Peter Slipper scandal, mm. and um, so Peter Wick started investigating it, and we, you know, found out that Kathy Jackson was a crook pretty much straight away. 
So we had, you know, you had Kate McClymont out there writing all these stories about Craig Thompson and not writing any stories about Kathy Jackson. So we sort of filled that void. Because up until that point, just to just help our listeners to remember, up until that point, she was positioned as a heroic whistleblower. Yeah, she was called a you know a lion of the union movement by Tony Abbott and mm. Christopher Pine, lauder in Parliament. They even made an apology to her when Craig Thompson named her in a speech. Mm. You know, the Liberal Party, you know, they moved a motion to apologise for his disgraceful speech, which actually turned out to all be true. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, we were very unpopular because you know it wasn't good to be, you know, deriding this brave whistleblower, this stoic, you know, strong whistleblower. But in actual fact, as we now know, she's in, in federal court facing charges uh, for about a million dollars worth of uh, fraud and theft wow. from the HSU, the Health Services Union. So we were justified. We, you know, the record's there. We were the first ones to to uh, expose her. The ABC eventually picked it up after about two years, Simon Cullen. And, you know, went from there. But then, you know, obviously News Corp eventually picked it up more recently. Not mm. News, actually, not Sydney Morning Herald. Nick McKenzie and Richard Baker did stories on it. And, you know, they're credited with breaking the whole story. You know, this is a pretty familiar story for mm. us. You know. mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the biggest scandals during the Gillard Prime Ministership was, of course, Ashby Gate. Uh, which, again, a lot of people initially talked about the conspiracy theory, the ridiculous conspiracy around that. You were one of the... Well, you were the first, you know, mainstream... I'm going to call you mainstream, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but, I mean, you were the first sort of big publication to uh, investigate the conspiracy theory and then put some credit to it. And, of course, yeah. it, again, all turned out to be true. Talk us through that one. Well, you know, look, it sort of all comes down to uh, to a hunch. You know, I was reading all the stories about um, James Ashby years ago, and here's this 31-year-old who's apparently getting sexually harassed by his boss. Didn't ring true to me. You know, I didn't think that he was this shy, retiring flower. Uh, I know, I knew that he was a Liberal Party member before he, you know, joined Slipper, and so it just didn't really seem to add up. And so we, I set to work investigating. I wrote a couple of stories. And then, you know, that gained interest. Other people started coming on, on board uh, to investigate as well. So it really started up a bit of a grassroots kind of campaign. We ended up um, setting up a crowdfunding campaign. We raised about $55,000 to investigate it. Um, then, luckily enough, a private inquiry agent, a private investigator called Ross Jones, came on board to start investigating and he, you know, really got very forensically into it. And, um, yeah, it turned out that, you know, of course, that, you know, there was a plot. The Liberal Party definitely did, uh, you know, attempt to bring um, Slipper down. You know, I won't go so far as to say that it was a honey trap. We can't really prove that. But um, certainly, you know, Mel Bruff got Ashby to, uh, you know, save a copy of the pages of Slipper's diary, which to us looked like, you know, theft or a crime. Mm. And, um, you know, there were various little figures involved, Julie Bishop being mm. one, Christopher Pine obviously was involved, and uh, several others. So, you know, as soon as Slipper, um, you know, ratted on the Liberal Party by becoming Speaker, you know, they set about trying to destroy him. And that's, uh, that's what happened. We ended up producing a book on the whole thing, the Ashby Gate book. So, yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I think effectively they did destroy him. He was... Um, 
he was certainly taken down as Speaker of the House. And uh, I know around the traps at the time, there was some concern, serious concern about his mental health. Mm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He was in a very bad way. I know Peter Slipper personally now. Mm. And, um, yeah, he was a broken man. I mean, don't forget that, you know, they had helicopters hovering above, above his place, very similar to what happened to Craig Thompson as well, where they you know, mm. took photos of, you know, of his wife getting out of the shower through the curtains and stuff. So they had people in his driveway. You know, Slipper's marriage to his wife, Inga, broke up over the whole affair. He was in a very desperate stage. And the sad thing about it all is, you know, I... You know, I don't see eye to eye with Peter Slipper on a lot of things. He's a staunch monarchist and, you know, fairly bright wing. But he was a very good speaker. It's quite sad. He was, you know, one of the only impartial speakers that we've had in Parliament for many years. So it was quite unfortunate. As he would say, he brought in some report reforms to the speaker's position, but he only did about 10% of what he wanted to do. And, um, you know, Slipper was, a, was a, a lawyer in his day. He was a very good lawyer. He would have been an excellent speaker. Now he's practicing law down in Tasmania, believe it or not. No, he's wow. there. I did not know that. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Mm, yeah, so he's getting his life back on track. He seems a lot happier. You'll still see him putting out tweets on, uh, you know, on Twitter about, you know, like the, all these MPs who are rorting their expenses <laughs> and getting off scot-free, and there he was you know, getting federal charges for $994 cab fares or something. Which was never... What was the what was the end of that um, those charges? He, uh, yeah, it got uh, overturned on appeal, so it got quashed. So nothing in happened end. in the end. Mm. And most uh, recently, yeah, all for naught. Most recently, of course, uh, around the New England by election, that was called yep. when Barnaby Joyce was one of the many MPs found to be holding dual citizenship. In his case, it was New Zealand citizenship as well, um, mm. and so they had to have a by election in New England and I felt and I probably I'm sure I said and tweeted and tried to yell it from the rooftops at the time that Twitter had told me and that everybody knew that he had been having an affair with a staffer and that she was in fact pregnant now what I didn't realize it didn't sort of look any further into was that it was in fact you who told me that it was you on Twitter who told me that yeah it was uh it was it was your publication, Independent Australia, again, that broke this story. Um, I just sort of thought it was one of those things that everyone on Twitter knew because you get so frustrated. I do, oftentimes. Yeah. I mean, yes, Twitter can be a hellscape, and I understand that. But also, whenever I've tried to, uh, you know, stay away from Twitter and uh, stay out of it, I just feel like I'm missing all the news. I'm missing <laughs> all the actual proper breaking news that eventually makes it into the media days and weeks later. And I, through this process, have realised that you're one of the people that makes that so. Yeah. Um, Thanks, well, you're Very welcome. Nice you. I mean, you you broke this story, actually. It's because of you that I knew that he was having yeah. an affair with a staffer and she was pregnant and all of that, and they'd set up house. So how did you, how and when did you know about this story? All right. Well, what, what actually happened was that, you know, you talk about Twitter, there'd been rumours floating around on Twitter um, since about September that um, you know, Barnaby was having an affair, that he was you know, out drinking every night, that he was, his life was out of control. So I started getting wind of that, um, you know, but didn't think too much of it because a lot of, as you say, Twitter can be a bit of a hell, hellscape. Mm. Uh, so you don't always take all these rumours seriously, but there was a lot of, you know, a lot of news, a lot of news. There was a lot of sort of buzz out there about this. 
then in October, October 21, I think, Shari Markson published a story which he referred to in that Mumbrella article mm. uh, about, um, about Barnaby Joyce, uh, apparently his personal life being in chaos. But the thing about it was the whole context of the story was to slam Tony Windsor, who was probably the first one to really get you know, these tweets out there, he's probably the one who, you know, mm. really alerted most people. Mm. Tony Windsor, the former independent MP for New England. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was out there saying this, but this article on October the 21st said, oh, you know, I can't even remember what the headline is, but, you know, dirty tricks or all this sort of stuff, basically defending Barnaby Joyce, saying that it was all sort of, you know, suggesting it was all lies. Ah. So on October the 21st. On October the 24th, Jennifer Wilson, we published a story saying, well, you know, Barnaby's personal life, you know, is relevant. You know, if he's out, you know, if he's doing all these things, then you know, probably the, the voters in New England want to. So I decided to send a reporter out there, sent Ross Jones up to uh, Tamworth to look into the whole thing, which he did. He went up to Tamworth and Armadale and went around and spoke to people. And then on November the seventeenth, we published an article. After the break, we get around to the inevitable subject of the Me Too movement in the context of high-stakes political games. Coming up on the Nitty Gritty Committee, David and I discuss the journalistic climate in Australia. But first, back to those all-important reports about Barnaby Joyce's sex life, which obviously none of us ever thought we'd want to read about in any context. And then on November the 17th, we published an article where we, where we uh, basically laid out the things that we thought were going on. Number one, Barnaby was having an affair. There was no doubt about that. You know, uh, his girlfriend was pregnant. We didn't name her. We didn't think that it was appropriate to out her, although we knew what her identity was. Um, we also published the fact that his daughter had driven up the main street of Tamworth in one of one of Barnaby's uh, utes, one of his uh, electorate vehicles, you know, with a loudspeaker telling people what a dirtbag he was. And that was true, even though it's been denied. Uh, we also published what we really sent Ross up to investigate, some serious accusations of sexual harassment mm. by Barnaby. These are allegations, you know, um, you know, that this needs to be tested, but there was a lot, and this was the whole reason. Like, really, we couldn't give a damn that Barnaby was having an affair or that, uh, you know, his girlfriend was pregnant, you know. <laughs> These things happen. And I think we, to be honest, if that was all it was, we wouldn't have sent a reporter up there. We sent the reporter up to investigate these allegations and, uh, you know, they stacked up. And so we published the article on November the 17th that uh, another mainstream media picked it up. The mainstream media at that time were just following Barnaby's pub crawl around New England, which is what he was doing, going from pub to pub with television cameras following him. And the media was all, oh, Barnaby is so popular in New England. Look at how he gets on with the locals. But there he was just boozing it up. And, um, you know, then, the, of course, the New England by-election happened in early December. Barnaby got elected with a swing to him. And then on February, in February, Shari Markson decided to uh, publish a story sort of outing uh, Vicky Campion with that horrible photo of her with a baby bump yeah. walking across the street, which I thought was quite disgraceful. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, apparently she broke the story. Now, 
she's come out and said that you know, we're a horrible publication, that we just publish rumours and lies. Every one of those things that we said in our article was true. We didn't say it as if it was an absolute because we were worried about getting sued. Because mm. if these, you know, if we needed to, you know, have people to back us up. And in New England, people are actually literally scared of the National Party. They have that much control. You know, people didn't want to go on the record because they feared, they feared that they'd lose their jobs. You know, one guy even said to, to Ross that he was worried that, you know, he lived in a fairly remote place. You know, that one night somebody might drive up the road and torch his house. Wow. You know, that was the sort of fear that these people were feeling. I'm not joking. No, well, I mean, growing up in regional Queensland, I, I don't know if it's that way now, but when I grew up in Toowoomba in the 70s and 80s, I could... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Certainly, you know, picture that kind of uh, fear. So I, I yeah. believe you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there, there was that. So we published the story. Now, apparently, we we're, we're just we were just rumor mongers. Everything that we published was true. Mm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so... Shari Markson, who actually worked with Campion at the Daily Telegraph, she knew that, uh, you know, that uh, her former colleague was having an affair with Barnaby. Everybody knew. Mm. I knew, I know they knew because I had several mainstream media journalists after we published that story in November calling me up, telling me that they knew. Mm. You know, it was open knowledge. This was not, you know, I didn't know about it. You know, all these mainstream media journalists saying that mm. is completely disingenuous. They knew it was going on. Everybody knew it was obvious that he was having an affair with this stuff, that she was pregnant. Mm. They were going on holidays together to, um, you know, various places. I think they went down to Coffs Harbour and were photographed down there or somewhere, mm. you know. And people, you know, they were openly talking about it in coffee shops. Everybody knew that they were having an affair. And yet there's this narrative that's come out that... Um, you know, nobody knew that it was complete shock. And Vicky Campion... It really does make me quite angry. I don't think she should have been outed. Well, yes. I mean, eventually it would have. It was going to happen when they moved out. Mm. Um, you know, that it was going to come out. But, you know, it's really, you know, the, the sort of the vitriol that's been directed at her, I think, is completely unjustified. Oh, absolutely. You know, you but can't, can't do you think it's... Fall in love with this. These things happen. Yeah, they do. But do you think it's churlish of me? I'm one of those people who says you know, that Barnaby can't be fighting for family values on one hand and then on the other hand be leaving his wife and four daughters and having an affair with a staffer and uh, moving in with her in Armadale and, and still and, and not divulging that before the by-election. And it, that seems duplicitous to me. And, I mean, clearly I'm never, ever going to be a Barnaby Joyce fan and I am always going to be happy to find reasons to <laughs> criticise him. But I did think... To me, that was sort of classic conservative behaviour, to be hiding a double life 
while at the same time fighting against marriage equality, for example. Is that churlish? No, no that's not churlish. That, 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 is, that is absolutely my opinion as well. Barnaby deserves every bit of um, you know, censure that, uh, that, that could be directed at him. Mm. You know, they covered it up before the election so that he would get elected. Who knows? Maybe he would have got elected anyway. Yeah, I'm sure he, he would have. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he's that probably, probably would have. But still, the voters in that electorate deserve to, to know that this person who's out there, you know, campaigning against marriage equality, campaigning against, um, you know, things like the HPV vaccine mm. because it might, uh, you know, make his daughters promiscuous or whatever, <laughs> is, uh, is out there, can't keep it in his pants himself. I mean, the hypocrisy is staggering. Mm. You know, yeah, look, and what, what is more staggering is that, uh, you know, the Nationals still think that Barnaby is a viable choice to be their leader again. What, what's going on there? Well, I think they're really firing up again recently, aren't they, in the last couple of days? They're really yeah. pushing again for him to, um, to take over leadership again. Yeah, I, just, I just can't get it. I mean, you know, it seems that he can do no wrong. In my mind, I look at Barnaby, and I come from a country like Barnaby. My mm. wife, you know, as I said, comes from Armidale. You know, her family know Barnaby's family. Know who they are. They're a very nice family. They're good people, you know. But, uh, you know, this this country bumpkin shtick that he puts on all the time, and I don't believe that it's totally genuine, mm. really I find rather embarrassing. You know, he just doesn't seem like a dignified, eloquent, sincere politician to me. You know, he it sort of in my you know in a way I feel it discredits country people. Yeah, absolutely. But but you got to remember, I grew up in well, you know, we grew up in Queensland when Joe Bjorki Peterson couldn't be deposed. So the idea that a national party leader would be a charming country gentleman is sort of bizarre to me, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's that's not right. something that I'm that I'm looking for or even considering a possibility. Where are we at with the other sexual harassment allegations against Barnaby? Well, look, you know, we know that that uh, the lady over in WA and her name just has suddenly escaped me. I'll find it. I yep. didn't even know about that that uh, that allegation, which came out. So the National Party did a review. It took them about God, you know, the the, the allegation came out in about around the same time as that article, around you know February March, mm. and uh, the National Party did a did a, a review, apparently, an internal investigation, they called it, mm. and said that they couldn't find enough evidence of it, and so it was, it was quashed. Mm-hmm. You know, look, we've, we've got Me Too now, and there's all these things swirling around Barnaby, and it doesn't seem like the media are that intent on investigating it. I mean, we've tried very hard to get you know, the people who have allegedly uh, been um, harassed by Barnaby to come forward, but um, you know uh, they, they are very unwilling to, and you can you can understand why they wouldn't. You know, Absolutely, it's, it's obviously, you know, it's, obviously it's, it's a it's a no win situation, isn't it, for the you know for the female to come forward and complain about these things. Oh, also, well, the National Party appear to be very good in that they you know they, they, they seem to be able to pay off these women with uh, you know with comfy sinecures at NGOs and mm. you know places like the Farmers Federation that sort of thing. Catherine Marriott, and, um, by the way, Catherine Marriott was that lady's name, and she was Catherine very, Marriott. she was very upfront about uh, her not wanting to be public. In her, she wanted to to complain, she wanted to make the complaint, but she never wanted to be a public person, and yeah. uh, and that she was given a very difficult time around making yeah, that right. complaint. Some of the outed her, you know, the whole the, the National Party outed her in the end mm. for some reason. Yeah, you know, it's it's shameful. You know, you should be able to. You know, you should be able to make these uh, complaints in a safe place. Yeah, well, in the yeah. same way that the ABC journalist was outed last week. Yeah, exactly. 
it seems to be happening way too much mm. in my mind. And look, it's very similar to the way that, um, you know, Vicky Campion was out of Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's only taken probably just over 12 months for men in power to figure out a way to use Me Too against women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, isn't, it, isn't it just ironic and shocking that this is the way that it's going? Yeah, well, it's yeah. sort of not really that shocking to us, to be honest, David. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's, I guess you're right. I guess yeah. it's, you know, that's what you've had to put up with since day dot. Hey, it's interesting that your younger brother is uh, a Liberal Party state candidate. Is he still? Uh, younger, he's, um, he's my older brother. I'm the, I'm the oh, you're the family. younger. You're the younger. So your elder I'm brother younger. is a is a member of the Liberal Party. Um, yeah, he is. Matt, Matt Donovan uh, stood as a Liberal candidate in Mawson in South Australia. In fact, I went down and helped him in that campaign. I, you know, put on the blue Liberal shirt and handed <laughs> out flies, even though I am definitely not a Liberal, but just to support him. Yeah, I was there. I scrutinised for him. You know, he he didn't win that. Uh, <laughs> That seat, unfortunately, is pretty sad. Well, you're one of those great uh, political brothers, you know, sets of brothers. Have you heard that podcast, Slow Burn? It's about, um, this series was about the Clinton-Lewinsky affair. No, I haven't heard that. Well, it's it's great. And I never knew that there was a set of brothers, I think, maybe one of the Clinton's lawyers was a brother of one of the, like, major Republican anti-Clinton... Uh, campaigners, so they, you know, I love these sets of brothers who are just yeah. diametrically opposed politically, <laughs> and yet still manage to have the brotherly relationship. And mind you, yours sounds pretty cordial. If you actually went and helped him on election day, that's pretty great. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's up and down, you know, with big <laughs> arguments. <laughs> I bet <laughs> when things come up mm. quite often. But yeah, look, Matt and I, Matt lives here on the Gold Coast these days, and uh, you know, he's a he's a barrister in Brisbane. Now, um, yeah, Matt's a good guy. He's probably what I would probably term as more of a moderate liberal than some of the more hardcore ones. Um, look, I'm non-partisan. Independent Australia is what it says, independent. We don't, you know, we don't have any partisan beliefs. I don't, I'm not a member of the Labor Party, not a member of any party. I, you know, if the Liberal Party started putting out some good policies, and, you know, I, as a progressive publication, we regard ourselves as being progressive. If they started putting out some progressive policies on anything, we'd, you know, we'd, um, we'd give them all the credit in the world. But it's just unfortunate that at this stage of their history, they've swung way over to the right. And, uh, you know, I think they're quite a dangerous political force. I mean, you know, people like Peter Dutton and, mm-hmm. you know, even Scott Morrison with his, uh, you know, odd Pentecostal faith, mm-hmm. you know, with the prosperity doctrine and all that sort of stuff. Look, I worry about, you know, where Australia's heading. You know, I worry about it, you know, particularly, uh, and you're a, you're a big advocate for this, you know, the refugee situation. Yeah. Now, how is it that we've gotten this situation where, you know, literally punishing innocent people and putting them in overseas malaria-ridden gulags is the mm-hmm. right way to go? It's just, you know, it horrifies me that we've come to this place. How is it that we've become the bad guys? We need to be better than this. And how is it that our government's allowed to have secretive policies around human rights? That shocks me. And and increasingly I've started talking to people about that and saying, even if, you know, you you disagree with me about who refugees are and where they should be and all of those arguments, can you live with the fact that we now have secret policies in Australia? Is that who we are? Look, it's not what I thought, not not who I thought that we were. Yeah. Growing up, it wasn't, you know, it doesn't seem like sort of actions of an open 
liberal democracy. Mm. But, you know, that's where we are. We've got, you know, increasingly severe um, uh, rules about, um, you know, for example, journalists getting convicted if they reveal mm. official secrets, which I think is concerning. Yeah. Um, you know, look, in my mind, what Australia really needs is a human rights act. You know, yeah. like a, it needs to, it needs to codify, you know, these human rights and, and enforce them as, you know, as part of our constitution. Since we don't have that, we always have the possibility of, of sort of slipping into this, um, you know, sort of democratised autocracy, which is oh. what we seem to have at the moment. Absolutely. And and which way do you see the Liberal Party going? Peter Fitzsimmons just tweeted uh, this morning, I think it was. It's been a long day. Sorry, my kids got me up very early. But he was tweeting that he <laughs> had... Too. The schoolies did it for me as Yeah, well. they did too. That's right. You and I have had a rough night. Um, but Peter Fitz was tweeting that he had a coffee with David Sharma and... Uh, right. And that they were chatting about the off the records, so he did. There were no quotes, but that they were chatting about sort of general directions. And Peter Fitz said that, from his perspective, he thinks the Liberals have a choice to make between going full right Trumpism, or yeah. sort of full centrist. And um, and he's not sure which way they're going to go. I mean, you've got a bit of in, inside track there with your big bro. Which <laughs> which direction do you see them moving in? Uh, look, I've got to say that Matt is not uh, really an active uh, Liberal member at the moment. He stood in Morrison back in 2010, so it's, uh, you know, it's been a while. But, um, it's a different world back then, eh? From, from my hunch, it would be that the Liberals realise that, um, you know, going further to the right probably won't be electoral, electorally successful. Mm-hmm. That's why they didn't elect Dutton. Uh, they've, they've gone with Morrison, who is, you know, let's be clear, pretty far right. As well, but you know, not uh, not quite as maybe not quite as uh, kind of Goebbels as uh, Dutton. Mm. But um, I think, uh, look, the Liberals have got in their mind. And I think they're they're, they're jaundiced by watching Sky News after dark all the time. <laughs> that the way that the way to um, electoral success is going further to the right, because that's what you know, idiots like Rowan Dean and you know Paul Murray are telling them. Yeah, you know, and they they take this on they take this on board. They think that the way to electoral success is they worry about one nation. Mm. Right? They think that one nation is taking their vote on the right, so they need to move further, further to the right. But the vast majority of the Australian public is to their left. Mm. So the, the Labor Party are gradually just gobbling up all their middle ground, and they seem unaware of that. And, you know, I don't know whether it's an ideological thing, but they think, look, we'd prefer to lose the election you know, than change our beliefs because you know, they're that strong. But lose the election, they will. They're, they're coming up for an absolute land, landslide defeat at the next election. You can oh, take it from me. God, David, from your lips to God's ears. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now, Shari Marks, and we should we should uh, we should say won an award, the Kennedy Award for journalism for her breaking of the story of uh, of Barnaby. Now, so that's been uh, in and of itself a story in the last couple of days, a bit of back and forth. Um, that's where she's been slagging off your publication and people have been pointing out, well, really, they, they actually broke the story, so the award's a bit naff. But um, how is your, your readership? I mean, do you see an upswing in people being interested in independent media in Australia? I feel that is the case, but is that wishful thinking? Look, there's, you know, there's definitely a lot more buzz about IA in recent times, and I don't know what it is, but look, our, our, our daily readership has sort of jumped from about, 
7,000 uniques to around about 20,000, you know, so we're getting a lot of lot of hits. And we only publish three stories a day, so, you know, we're more of a kind of boutique kind of uh, online magazine rather than a newspaper. You know, you won't get all your news by reading us by any means, but you'll get interesting stories all the time. So I think, you know, look, I, you know, the, I, was, I was on the drum... There seems to be a process happening where we, you know, you called us a mainstream publication. In the past, we were sort of regarded as being a bit ultra, perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, a bit out there. And now that people realise that actually, you know, we're doing good journalism, we're breaking stories, and the fact is we're usually right. Mm-hmm. You know, if, I can't really think of anything, any time that we've published stories where we haven't been accurate. And it's part of, what, you know, the way we do it. We make sure that all of our facts... Uh, referenced. If you look at our stories, every single you know, factual claim is linked to its source. Mm. That's if you know we didn't come up with it ourselves. You know we try our very very hardest to tell the truth. And I think over time, you know it doesn't matter what the doubters say. You know people will come to you know realise and accept that. And um, you know I think we're we're gradually getting the rewards. We're an overnight success after eight and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, congratulations. It's so great. And in this funny, weird world, the the scoop and the award for the for the non-scoop of the Barnaby Joyce story has actually brought you more attention and more people like me realising, actually, yes, it wasn't just Twitter that told me that. It was Independent Australia <laughs> that told me that. And I should give yeah, credit where credit's due. Could I just, just add one thing? Yeah. The thing that I find most... Uh, kind of ironic and deplorable about the whole Shari Marks and Barnaby Joyce Walkley Kennedy Award fiasco mm. is that, um, you know, she deliberately waited until after the by-election yeah. to publish that story. She knew about it beforehand, there's no doubt. And also that people are saying that, you know, because Markson published the photo of the baby bump, that proved Barnaby's paternity. Well, I don't think that uh, a photograph, unless maybe it's of the act of Congress proves anything. Well, particularly really, given Barnaby, that Barnaby, Barnaby... himself came out and doubted it later on. Exactly. Barnaby called it a grey area after the baby was born. I mean, you know, so, mm. you know, that, that argument is a furphy. You know, the fact of the matter is that the, the mainstream media seemed to be complicit. You know, they went on, you know, Barnaby's, you know, sort of self-congratulatory pub crawl around New England mm. and didn't publish a word about all this scandal that was swirling around him. You know, you really got to wonder about the quality of our mainstream media and how independent and unbiased they are. That, if anything, is why people are tending to come towards, you know, publications like us. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And now, you know, again, the internet can be a hellscape, but also it gives us access to other news and hopefully in time we can find real news because it's uh, getting increasingly difficult to find you know, in the news agency or on the on the free to air TV, it's really hard to find. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, the ABC doesn't seem to be really quite. Um, you know, it does a very good job. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it, see, it seems to be a bit kind of enfeebled. What's the word? Mm, Gun shy, towering, a, or towering yeah. almost uh, against these repeated attacks. You yeah. know, from the Liberal Party. So, yeah, uh, it's very it's a very hard situation. For the media in Australia, I feel I feel for journalists out there. They try to do a good job, but they, you know, working for the mainstream publications, non-independents. But uh, you know, they have a whole set of issues that uh, you know that we don't need to contend with in independent media.
Yeah, and I find it's getting more and more restrictive, actually, with every passing month, with every passing year, more and more restrictive, to the point where you have Michelle Guthrie in a meeting for, what was it, foreign correspondent or um, 7.30, asking why they didn't show any photos of happy refugee children on Nauru, just to be more balanced. That's the, oh. that's the landscape we're getting to these days in the media, you know? That's the landscape. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Absolutely. thank God for you. Thank you so much, David. It's been so great chatting with you, and I hope you won't mind if I ring you again next time you break a massive story that everyone else is too afraid to print until the absolute last moment. I'll be, I'll be thrilled if you do, and so will my wife. She's got that girl crush on you. Oh, well, please give her my love. Next time I'm up at the uh, GC, I'll give you a ring. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Nitty Gritty Committee. Later this week, I'll be uploading another conversation about Australian politics. But this one is from a very different perspective. One you may have read about in passing a couple of weeks ago and kind of forgotten about already like I did. But I promise you, you'll never forget about it again when you've heard the story from the inside. That's coming up later this week on the Nitty Gritty Committee. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.